Hi, uh, Boos and Ghouls. Uh, welcome uh. back to Cookie Pocket. <laughs> this podcast is about film. This is episode 30, I think? Uh, yeah, 30. And today we're going to be talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1991, I think. 1992. 1992. Oh, oh my goodness. You made this mistake last time. I've been served by Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell yeah. Barsley. Um, this is the story of Dracula. I'm sure most of you are relatively familiar with it. Uh, Jonathan Harker, in this version played by Keanu Reeves, is an estate agent. He goes to Transylvania to uh, aid Count Dracula, this reclusive uh, royalty in Romania, uh, with purchasing a series of houses in London. In this version, Dracula is played by Gary Oldman. He imprisons Jonathan in his castle and then moves over to England, where... In this adaptation, this doesn't happen in the book, but in this adaptation, he recognizes that Mina, Jonathan's wife, is the reincarnation of his long-dead lover, and nothing can stop him in his quest to fulfill his across-the-centuries romance. Um, as usual, let's start with overall thoughts. What did you guys think of the movie? Christian can go Dang first. <laughs> I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, Christian. Uh, I don't, I, okay, well, I, I'll, I'll confess, I just finished the film, like, 40 minutes ago, so, mm-hmm. um, it's still very fresh <laughs> in my mind, but, um, I, I'm a little exhausted, honestly. Um, yeah. I gave it a three out of five, because I don't think it would be fair to say that this is a bad film, because I don't think it's a bad film, and, um, I, I very much agree with what you had to say, um, in your review, Zach, which is that it is very clearly... Uh, a big heaping pile of of Coppola's vision, and um, um, his his direction is uh, even though he's he's not necessarily reputed to be great with um, actors, um, his direction in terms of like um, the visuals and 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 all and the camera work and whatever is is very 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 much the the center of of the completed uh, product I think. So, um, but it was just a little too much for me, I guess. Um, there was a lot more of, 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 of lascivious content than I anticipated. <laughs> um, I, I read about uh, 100 or so pages of the, of the book uh, in the hopes of having it completed by this episode, and I failed to do that. But um, it was still nice to have a little bit of that contextualization. I, I basically got through, like, the first uh 40 or 50 minutes of of the film on the mm-hmm. page so um that that was helpful for me and um i i don't know i do think maybe the biggest weakness of this interpretation not necessarily weakness but a misgiving i might have is that um coppola has um it's le- it's less an adaptation of the novel and more like a, a very visceral representation of what he wants to do with it i guess which is fine and and um mm-hmm. Gary Oldman is great. Keanu Reeves is not, but um, <laughs> uh, I gave it a three out of five. I feel like it's good, not great. Maybe a little too overwrought for my taste, and it was not something that I personally enjoyed. But I understand that it has it has merit in in many places. Mm-hmm. I I like this film, and um, I don't know. I might have liked it more than Christian. Yes, but um, <laughs> I do agree that it was probably. It was probably a bit exhausting, but I feel like that's part of its charm mm. is being, you know, overly emotional and everything being like, mini, 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 yes. mini for like All half the time. the time. 
and, and, yeah. and, and everything just trying to be really tense and really serious and then also being uh you know hypersexualized and um you know just dramatic and uh i think that is a part of dracula's character in general i've never actually read the book but based on what i've gathered from all of my sources and hotel transylvania i have gathered that <laughs> <laughs> dracula could be very complex the problem is that there's a lot there's a whole lot going on a lot that you can like tune into but not a lot to like listen into or mm. like you know really think about a lot it's kind of just super like an ocean of shallow water that's like a foot deep basically um and there's like a lot of visuals a lot of sound and um occasional you know very intriguing acting um but really it's just it like christian had pretty much said it perfectly i think it's just kind of like a director's vision type of thing um rather than trying to be a faithful adaptation or trying to make like an entirely original story or anything like that i think it's just um I don't know. I think there's just it, it's really intriguing and really interesting to look at, but like I don't know, there wasn't a whole lot of substance to really latch onto, which I wasn't necessarily expecting um, to a lot of. But I mean, I do think that there's a lot that could be, um, you know, that could be dug out of the story that's been dug out in other films before. Um, that could be fleshed out a lot more, like you know, moral values and honor and. Um, you know, but I think the love part, I really like the love strategy part. Um, and, uh, Gary Oldman's performance was, was obviously really good. Um, Keanu Reeves was not, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and Winona Ryder had some really good moments too. I do feel like some, sometimes I feel like she's, she's a lot worse in casual conversation than she is in like really, um, emotional scenes, uh, in my opinion, hmm. but yeah, I mean, overall, I think it was, it was, a, it was a fine film. Um, I, I don't, I'm not mad that it exists or anything. Um, <laughs> I think it's just another interpretation. So yeah, three out of five for me. Yeah. I, I would definitely give Winona Ryder credit because apparently she's kind of the reason this movie happened. She apparently gave the script to Coppola as like an apology because she had to leave Godfather three at the last moment. Um, and he apparently fell in love with the script, and that's sort of the reason the movie happened. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's cool. Um, I think this might be the first time since, like, the final countdown that I'm mostly on the same page as Christian for a film, because <laughs> this is a movie that I, I, I do own this movie, and I'm glad I own it, because I think visually this movie is gorgeous. Every single frame of this movie is like a painting that you could hang on your wall and just admire for years. Um, And there's style in the costumes, uh, in in the sets. This movie was nominated for four Academy Awards. Uh, It won Best Costume Design, Best Sound Editing, and Best Makeup. And I think it totally deserves those, because this is a lavish visual spectacle. But as you guys referred to, I think that that visual style kind of swallows the substance of the story, so that half the time, if you aren't really familiar with the story of the novel... You might not really know exactly what's even happening. Yeah. I think it would be very easy to get lost if you weren't familiar with the story of the novel and who these characters were. Um, the way that Renfield is introduced, for instance, I could, I would totally understand if someone who was like, who is this gray-haired old man with weird things on his fingers in a, in a room? Um, which the things on his fingers are never explained either. It's just like a stylistic thing because it's fun. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. Stylistically, I think this movie's great. Substance and story, little thin. Uh, so three out of five for me. But on that note, I think the the special effects are a good 
thing that we should talk about here. Um, this movie is packed with special effects. There's basically a special effect in like every single scene, if not multiple. Um, and initially, when Coppola was working on the special effects, he hired a team from, I think, ILM. Um, yeah, and, maybe. <laughs> and Coppola said, okay, um, I know this is a newer film, but since this is sort of inspired by, you know, German expressionism and older styles of filmmaking, I want to use sort of traditional special effects from the dawn of filmmaking, things that would have existed at the time that Dracula was written. And the ILM team said, <laughs> uh, no, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to use visual <laughs> effects. So he then fired them and hired his 28-year-old son, who had no experience whatsoever in special effects, to supervise all of the effects in this movie. And with that in mind, I think it turned out pretty well. I can't believe you just did that to me, Zach. You just set me up and tore me right back down. <laughs> I know, but, but Roman Coppola, I think, did a good job with these effects. There's miniatures, there's lots of double exposures, lots of really complex stuff done in camera. What did you guys think? Did you think the special effects convinced, or did they kind of take you out of it? What were your thoughts? They kind of felt a little aged okay. uh, some of the time. Um, I feel like they're... I feel like it was either it was aged or there was also moments where there was just like, I really want to use special effects here. So this entire scene is going to be special effects and that's it. And I was like, okay, now this is kind of just like an acid trip rather than like a meaningful scene. Um, <laughs> I, I can see that. But, but overall, I mean, it didn't bother me that much. I mean, you know, I, I've seen enough, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't think of it as a nineties movie. Honestly, I kind of think of it as like a, a mixed decades kind of film anyway, um, stylistically for me. So, you know, it's not a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I pretty much agree with Mitchell. I, I think I was, I was pretty impressed by them most of the time. I think the, the parts that, that felt more dated to me were like the, 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 the more blood related effects, I guess. Okay. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Even that felt, felt less like a, a shortcoming of the effects and like a stylistic choice like you said right. Zach. It, it it wanting to feel more old-fashioned so I, I i i don't know i i pretty much agree with mitchell and um and i agree i agree with you in the sense that um the the visuals and and all that do kind of swallow up the uh the narrative appeal of of the the larger story to some extent so maybe the in that you could say the greatest weakness of the effects is how engrossing they are and how much they might overwhelm other aspects of the film. Uh-huh. Yeah. I I will agree with Mitchell that some of them do feel a little aged, but I think yeah, I think that's almost deliberate in a way. They are trying mm -hmm. to make this feel like an older movie. Um there's things mm -hmm. in this that feel like they're meant to be reminiscent of a movie from like the 20s even. Um a lot of them feel sort of like they're meant to get across a stylistic expression of a moment rather than an actual, like, fully convincing moment. Uh, the battle scenes, I think, are a great example. A lot of the battle scenes in this, particularly towards the beginning, are done with, like, shadow puppets, um, which I think is cool, and it looks interesting, but you don't look at them and go, that's a real battle right there. Because there's, yeah. there's one shot where, like, Vlad, like, stabs a guy and lifts him up in the air, and it's really obviously just, like, a dummy with these limp <laughs> arms. But, like, you, you get the point of the moment, and it yeah. looks cool, so you kind of excuse it. Um, I, funnily enough, Christian, you mentioned that some of the blood didn't convince. Um, I watched this with my parents last night. Um, it's, like, my third watch. And the only effect that my father mentioned as being unconvincing was there's a scene where Lucy, who is kind of Dracula's first victim in the film, 
uh, they're giving they're they're transferring blood from two of her suitors to her, um, and you see it kind of trickle into the glass jar, and my father commented that he could tell it wasn't real blood because of like the density and it was kind of syrupy yeah. and it was quite yeah. obviously corn syrup and, and red food dye, which I agree with. I use that recipe all the time as somebody who uses blood <laughs> in a lot of his movies. Oh yeah. Um, oh, and also the the heads being cut off was like the opposite. It was like bright red squirting yeah. everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Mitchell, when you started saying and also when the heads were being cut off, I thought you were describing the second instance in which Zach uses blood in his profession. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yes. I had I had no. to throw that out there. Proceed, Zach. That's fine. Some of the heads being cut off though do kind of take me out of it because it's hard to cut mm. off a human head. And at yeah. the end of this movie, Winona Ryder takes, like, a dagger, like, that's only, like, a couple <laughs> inches long, and just goes, and then cuts off Dracula's head in one fell swoop. That kind of yeah. takes me out of it. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, we spoil everything on this podcast, if you weren't aware. We sure do. So, uh, Christian, you mentioned that you're only 100 pages into this, into the novel, um, but I know that you've seen at least one other adaptation of the novel, and Mitchell, I know that you have experience with at least a couple. So uh, let's talk about how this works for you guys as an adaptation. Uh, does this to you feel like it strikes the tone of Dracula? Does it feel like that sort of turn-of-the-century horror novel, or does this very much feel like sort of its own thing? Hmm. I'm inclined to say that it feels like its own thing. Okay. Um, and and I hate to to, to retread the the visual points, but I, I do think a ton of a ton of uh, the stylistic uh, leanings of this rest on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when I I don't know when I think of Bram Stoker's Dracula, I think of stuff like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and other mm-hmm. like widely regarded literary classics that you would read in an English class, and that aren't just I don't know like. Oh, how do I want to say this? Um, and and everything, every every facet of of the presentation, from from sort of like ramping up the eroticism, and um, the 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 more like everything down to the design of of Dracula's like armor in the first yeah. like ten minutes of of the film, just just it does not feel like a, a direct adaptation at all to me. I guess I I, I really think. Um, I really think this is just Coppola go- going at it, kind of, and and that's not inherently wrong. And I mean, in in some ways, you you might argue that that's better than just trying to go page by page and um, making as accurate of an adaptation as you can, because it's been done. Mm-hmm. And um, but but if we were to talk about like it, uh, preferred iterations of Dracula, I would not say this is mine personally. I. I Again, I don't think it's bad, but um, I I, uh, I have seen uh, the first um, Hammer horror Dracula yeah. adaptation, and I am quite partial to Peter Cushing. Yes, and um, and I just just uh, overall I I'm I, I I prefer that um, much more I would say because um, it it feels it feels more grounded in that sort of like highbrowness almost, which mm-hmm. which which I think on another level. Um, Coppola's vision is an interesting uh, you could even say it's like a dialogue on, on what constitutes a classic or like um, uh, criticism about like the difference between high art and low art and the way we regard things because I think uh, when, when Bram Stoker's Dracula is recalled in, in, a, in a classroom setting you don't think of 
like the sexual undertones no. in in everything Dracula does. Yeah. You think you think about I don't know how good of a writer Bram Stoker is or something academic. So I I think points to Coppola for for drawing out parts of the story that may not be as emphasized in other iterations for for uh, academic reasons or for otherwise toning down the the visceral nature of the story. Mm-hmm. I will agree and add on to what Christian said. Uh, I also ag- uh, agree with the Hammer film supremacy. <laughs> um, and I'll also I'll say that if I had to like compare this to to how it feel like the feeling of it in general, just the tones and the messaging. Um, it, this feels more like Underworld <laughs> than it does an original Dracula story. Yeah. And I feel like it leans into that Underworld tone more. Because um, Underworld has a very generic story. <laughs> and it's not, I don't think it's that complex. I think it's like just original enough to keep the viewer wondering what, what kind of, what's the next stylistic thing that's going to happen. Um, that's very early 2000s, late 90s. And I feel like this having like the traditional you know early 20th century and like mid 20th century uh kind of special effects and kind of just the uh you know traditional tones and very light lifts from the book um all of that mixed together i feel like is definitely just i feel like it's less of an adaptation and more like an original uh film so uh but i still like it so (laughs) yeah i think this film is a great example of the impact that a director's vision has on a story mm-hmm. because in terms of events i think aside from the romance between mina and dracula and the whole like across the centuries thing which is more inspired by universal's original the mummy movie than anything else uh, but but aside from that the events of the novel are technically pretty much all depicted here rather loyally um even going so far as to essentially depict Dracula as being Vlad Tepes, um, who is who was an actual Romanian warlord uh, that it's believed Bram Stoker based Dracula off of, and you see Vlad Tepes is like a famous portrait of him in a book that Van Helsing's flipping through at one point. Like the events of the novel are are all there, but the mm-hmm. style and tone of the novel is absolutely not. Um, I think <laughs> I, I think a great example is Doctor Seward. I don't know if you've met him yet in the book, Christian, but he's one of uh, Lucy's suitors, and in the book, he's a very modern, rather reserved medical man um, who runs a, for the time at least, modern, safe, clean sanitarium. He's very much a, a person who's on the forefront of patient uh, of patient like welfare and patient health, and in the movie... He's a bumbling, nervous, Google-eyed wreck and a morphine addict who runs a house of horrors that's like <laughs> looks like the London dungeon or something. So the movie takes these sort of like reserved elements from the book where Dracula is sort of the most outrageous thing in the story, and it takes them and cranks them all up to like eleven. Uh, Van Helsing, here played by Anthony Hopkins, who I think is a, a great choice to play Van Helsing. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't, I don't really like this version of Van Helsing though, because in the book he makes the occasional joke, he makes the occasional spoonerism because he doesn't totally understand English, and that's that's kind of an attempt at comedy. But here he's making like sex jokes, and he's like humping yeah. Quincy's leg at one point as a, <laughs> as a joke. 
And it's like, what are we doing? This is meant to be like our stoic, our stoic straight man, like who knows what he's doing against the vampires, mm -hmm. and you you don't quite get that feeling from him. He he's not as good at Van Helsing as as Peter Cushing, who yeah. I think is the ultimate yeah. portrayal of that oh, character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I I do think that this film isn't necessarily an adaptation of the book as much as it is an adaptation of the book and every other version of the story up until that point. Because there's a lot of things in this movie... There's moments in this that might remind me a lot of 1922's Nosferatu, which we'll get to. Um, hmm. There's there's one particular moment, uh, you guys might remember this from the Hammer version, where Lucy kind of first comes back from the dead, and she's sort of trying to seduce Arthur, and then a crucifix held by uh, Van Helsing comes in from the left of frame, and kind of she mm -hmm. recoils and her teeth come out. And there's a shot very, very similar to that in this. So I, I think... This is adapting very specific things, but not always the novel. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you might enjoy it if you like the book, but if you <laughs> like the tone of the book, you may not. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we've covered all the ground we can with with the film, if, if I'm honest. Do you guys have any final thoughts on it before we move on to our other segments? Or anything else you would like to say before we move on? Yeah, um... <laughs> I guess. Uh, let's talk about... I, 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 uh, let's, 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 we got to address Keanu Reeves, guys. Okay, all right. We should talk okay. about Keanu Reeves, yeah. I, I, he's a youngin. He's a youngin, okay? Yeah, okay. He's, he's fresh-faced and whatever, and I can't I can't decide how I feel about Keanu Reeves as a performer. Um, I, I, I quite like the roles in which his character is, is named either John or Johnny. And everything else, I'm kind of like I get I get nothing or or or. Well, he's named John in this movie. Oh no! <laughs> you didn't realize <laughs> that. One through. <laughs> <laughs> Christian's argument is falling apart now. Nope. I, uh, <laughs> okay, his accent still sucks, and I just I don't know. I don't think he's. I think he's by far the least remarkable actor in this. Yes, and he's the least I, remarkable. I can't I can't understand it because I do think he has the sort of inexplicable like charisma trait not to the same extent that someone like Harrison Ford has no. but he does have some of that natural charm and I think that lets him skate by on um, on on mediocre performances but but quite frankly when I was watching this I was taken back to that to 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 Kenneth Branagh's uh, much ado about nothing and I was I was not I was not <laughs> I was not enjoying it. <laughs> so, yeah, outside of Reeves though, I I do think everyone else did did relatively well in, in the roles. See, if not for the accent, I don't think Keanu Reeves would be a terrible choice for Jonathan Harker. Because Jonathan Harker in the book is kind of a milk toast nothing character. He's kind of Mr. Bland. And at the time at least, Keanu Reeves in mainstream films was kind of Mr. Bland. But the issue comes with... And he could deliver good it's performances It's Laura Dern syndrome. In, in, oh, no! We are... Mm -mm, mm -mm. Not, not this time, Mitchell. Um, but he, he, he can deliver a very, very good performance. In My Own Private Idaho, which is, was around the same time, he delivers a great performance. I think the issue here is that Keanu Reeves is so replaced from... A Victorian gentleman that even seeing him try to do that just immediately takes you out of any scene and there's certain lines in this where his accent just goes totally wonky and then 
like it just takes you totally out of it. I know where the bastard sleeps is a particular one where I'm just, oh my goodness. Budapest. <laughs> or Budapest, depending upon the scene. Yeah, Budapest. Yeah, what, what did you think, Mitchell? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I he was replaced from the plot. It seemed like Coppola knew, like, I think... He shoved him in a car. You, you should get a break, okay? You're going to be crawling across this uh, chasm and, and fall in and as a sideline in a little bit just so everybody remembers who you are and what's going on with mm. you while the actual plot is happening in England so um I, I almost like I I just barely knew that he was still existing um until the very end quite yeah barely. which I think he kind of deserves to be like that maybe but um I think it worked for the story I'm sorry, <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I do agree. He's kind of replaced from the story in the novel, too, but yeah. I think he's extra replaced here because in this version, since they've added the love story between Dracula and Mina, Dracula needs time to flirt with Jonathan's wife, so he's got to be out of the picture. Yep. So they kind of just shove him in a corner until he yeah. falls off of a cliff and then reappears. Um, <laughs> Literally. He does kind of feel like the protagonist that the movie doesn't know what to do with. Yes. Yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate. Apparently, Keanu was cast after Christian Slater said no, and I don't really know if I can see Christian Slater playing that role either. Um, but Coppola said that he wanted uh, an it actor, somebody who was big at the time, because he thought the role was kind of a nothing role. And I mean, I guess he succeeded. He was. I also read like an interview with him where he says like Keanu tried so hard. He was listening to those tapes every single day, and I think he tried so hard he just jinxed himself. Um, which I think. Okay, I don't know how hard he tried, but <laughs> in some scenes I think you can kind of tell that he's trying so hard at the accent yeah. that it just wipes anything else out from the moment. Definitely. Yeah. It's it's regrettable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any other thoughts before we move on to our, our fun segments? Um, Close your kids' eyes. <laughs> <laughs> There's bad, sexy things that happen. There are a lot of sex scenes in the film. What, what Mitchell said. Um, <laughs> Which I think is a good stylistic choice, honestly. I think it works. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think there's a... There's there's a level there's a level of, of un, unrestricted passion that comes with using gothic themes, okay? Okay. Okay. Alright. That's that's yeah. fair. I'm I an artist think, now. I, I, w- I was joking with you about this before we recorded though, Mitchell, where I think that um So Coppola, like I mentioned to you, Mitchell, uh mm-hmm. didn't direct the actors in a lot of the sex scenes because he was he felt uncomfortable with that subject matter and so he brought in somebody else to kind of coordinate those scenes and direct the actors in those moments and he was just worried with the visuals which is not uncommon but whoever directed the actors i think <laughs> they have a very a very familiar pattern of somebody writhes and exposes a single nipple and then oh the scene God. continues. Okay, okay. Do we, do we need to get into this? It gets, it gets very, very repetitious, and I think you can tell. I think they feel staged at a certain point. Oh. How do I um, close Pandora's box? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I really I'm, didn't I'm, need to know. I'm putting the lid on I'm Pandora's no longer box. an artist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I rescind my declaration. I'm calling the spin team. 
I'll take your card back then, Mitchell. I'll put it in the cupboard until you next want to discuss art in an artistic way. Thank you. All right. And on that bombshell. (laughs) All right, then. On that bombshell, I think we'll move on to the week in review. Um... All right, we'll take a moment to collect ourselves after that collective disaster. I saw Platoon. Um, okay. Okay, so, well, why don't you talk about it? Mitchell saw Platoon. Mitchell saw time. Platoon. I swore I wouldn't let us get off the rails, and we're farther <laughs> off the rails than I think we've ever been. <laughs> platoon, Zach. Yes. Platoon, okay? Willem Dafoe is no longer a scientist, okay? He's, he's a screaming epic soldier that dies heroically and seeing tropic thunder before platoon was a mistake yes. okay? <laughs> because i kind of laughed but otherwise a very uh you know not not super dramatic i feel like there's th- it was a lot of raw drama rather than like artificial drama which is a big problem a lot of war movies have like we were soldiers feels very artificial in a lot of places i feel like platoon solves a lot of these problems um, with depicting a lot of uh, war crimes <laughs> and, um, you know, just a lot of uh, violence and unrestrained, uh, you know, just barbarianism. And um, I think it's, it's you know, it, it's historically accurate to a, a good extent. I feel like there is definitely um, some serious messages in here uh, that should be that should be looked at that haven't exactly been pursued in other Vietnam movies. Um in, in a lot of ways. But, uh, yeah, overall, I think it's a pretty good film. Um, I recommend it for not for Memorial Day, necessarily. Um, but anybody who's interested in the war and um, anybody who wants to see how bad things could have actually gotten and th- how bad things really did get in a lot of cases. So, yeah, yeah, I recommend it. I do think Platoon is one of those movies that's kind of a victim of its own reputation. Because sort of the yeah. most iconic scene in the movie has been parodied so many times now that it's it's almost impossible to take seriously. That's the one scene. That's the one scene that I don't know. I can't take seriously. Anymore. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, they over. It's it's over dramatized. But um, but every other scene. I, I think in general, I think it does a really good job. So um, I rated it pretty high. Mm-hmm. Christian. Oh dear. Um. All right. I um. This is this didn't happen this week, so I'm I'm bending the rules a bit. But oh. just over a week ago, barely, I I watched for the first time Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, starring mm. Michael Keaton, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I gave it a a four point five out of five, and I thought it was a very interesting dialogue on the uh, shortcomings of criticism, uh, ironically. Yeah. And um, let's drag ourselves yeah. through the mud. Yeah, why not? We 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 drag everything else through the mud as it is. So, yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting, and um, probably the only thing it has in common with Dracula is that it is a uh, the, the the directorial vision is is clear in in both products, I guess. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I recommend it, especially if you're an obnoxious theater kid, because then you'll see how terrible you are. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, I sorry. Think- <laughs> yes, I perhaps I was once an obnoxious theater. No, kid. that was not know. a Zach shot. Um, that was I. I swear that was not directed at you, Zach. I'm terribly sorry. It, it, sound, it sounded. It sounded. Never mind. I, I, I do want to ask you. Um, what do you think the last shot of the movie means? Oh, that's a good question. We have the time to talk about this. Let's yeah, let's yeah, discuss yeah. it. Um. Okay. So should I spoil it for for our listeners or no? 
Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Mitchell, do you have any any? Uh... Uh, Mitchell gives up. <laughs> oh, okay. Mitchell gives up. Um, so, 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 so Michael Keaton is, is starring in this big play, and and it's going pretty poorly. So, in one performance, um, where his character is supposed to, to, to shoot himself in the head, uh, Keaton decides to use a real gun and to shoot himself in the head. And mm-hmm. um, but he survives. He just like blows off his nose or something. Yeah. And so he wakes up in the hospital room, and he presumably jumps out the window, and uh, to presumably to try to kill himself again and um um, emma stone who plays his daughter walks into the room and looks out the window and at first she kind of looks down and looks dismayed but then she kind of like looks up and starts smiling and kind of laughing and that's how the film ends and i like that there's no real answer to what that is zach i i haven't thought a ton about what it really is but um based on how much of the film was was pretty grounded in and realism and and the the supernatural things only really going on in Keaton's head. I, I still think oh, yeah. the most the most likely thing is that he's he's dead on the concrete. But oh, totally. Um, it, I don't it's think a he turned discussion. into Birdman and flew away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's seeing her father fly away in spandex, um, yeah. <laughs> or Batman flying away. Yeah. Right. Well, that's that's kind of a point. Like I, I think yeah. Michael Keaton's a very deliberate cast because he plays this actor who. For sure. I mean, I don't think Michael Keaton's as down on his luck as this actor in the film, but um, mm-hmm. he very much plays a person who was once kind of this serious actor and then played this one superhero role like twice, maybe three times, and then as soon as he quit, people kind of forgot about him. Um, so I do, I do think there's some deliberate casting Definitely. there with Michael yeah. Keaton. Personally, I see the end of the film, because now this is a Birdman discussion, I see the end of the film as sort of being about kind of the resurgence of or the rediscovery of, like, his career and his reputation. They say that an artist's work, the value goes up immensely after they're dead. So I think that's mm-hmm. almost like a, a, an acknowledgement of, like, now that he's dead, people are going to rediscover his old work and perhaps think of him as, like, this greater actor or great oh. artist now. But okay. it's very mu- it's very much open to interpretation. Yeah. You know, you can, you can read a ton in just Emma Stone looking up, uh, yeah. as you mentioned. I like your um, read. That's a good read. Well, thank you. Uh, I have been watching... <laughs> the Thick of It! Uh, I've been watching a lot of... No, I finished The Thick of It. Also British oh, no. television, though. I've been watching Broadchurch. Um, oh, okay. Which is... It's a sort of procedural detective drama um, created by Chris Chibnall, who's now the showrunner of Doctor Who, as, as a matter of fact. Um, Broadchurch, though, is totally different from Doctor Who. It, it has a similar setup... I see you guys laughing to yourselves. It has a similar <laughs> setup to Twin Peaks, where a young person in this very small, kind of tightly knit community, community is found dead, and it's about sort of the impact that this investigation has on all these characters. It's got a lot of great actors in it. David Bradley, David Tennant, uh, Olivia Colman is in it. Uh, Jodie Whittaker is fantastic in it. Whoa. Uh, Arthur Darville, great as well. Um, pretty much anybody you would ever recognize as, hey, they were in Doctor Who once, is in this show. Um... <laughs> It's very, very good. I'm halfway through series one. There's three series, and I, I can't wait to update you guys as I continue to watch, much oh, to your no. dismay, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but so far, I would totally recommend it. It's it's very, very sad in places, but everybody mm-hmm. delivers great performances, and it's very easy to get invested, uh, especially in, in David Tennant's character. I really want to know what's going on with him, because right now there's sort of a central mystery hanging over his head, a former case that he somehow failed in. Um, that I'm eager to find out how he failed. Uh, so if you, dear listener, would like to find out as well, watch Broadchurch with me. 
Uh, that is all. Uh, so, I suppose that concludes the week in review. And moves us on to... The rundown. <laughs> you sound so sad. <laughs> how are we doing today, Mitchell? How are we feeling? <laughs> Pretty cash money. Okay. On that note... Survey says... <laughs> no, Zach, no! Sorry. Zach, I'm gonna... <laughs> I'm gonna mute you forever. Zach, I'm what happened to being the caboose? I know. You were the caboose, Zach. The I caboose is now dragging the train off of the cliff <laughs> backwards. <clears throat> Sixty seconds. <laughs> Zach, numbers. Mitchell, are you ready? Am I going first? Yes, I think. Nice. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, three. I'm ready. Two, one, go. Renouncing Christianity because waifu gone. Three out of five. Mispronouncing Dracula. Three out of five. Gary's accent. Three out of five. Drinking blood. Two out of five. Your friend D. Three out of five. Keanu Reeves being unconvincingly British. Two out of five. Very realistic flimmy thing. <laughs> Three out of five? Oh. Keanu and Winona as Anakin and Padme. Oh, two out of five. Zach Garrigus as Abraham Chad Helsing. <laughs> Four out of five. Really, really long capes. Three out of five. Dracula becomes Libright in England. <laughs> Three out of five. Francis Ford Coppola's direction. Three out of five. Arabian Nights. Two out of five. Incongruous Shadows. Three out of five. Old Rooms with Bad Memories. Three out of five. Dracula as Palpatine. Four out of five. Seeking Culture at a Museum. Two out of five. Changes from the novel. Three out of five. John Harker as Maurice Bell's dad. Four out of five. Uh, except we proposed now we're out of time. Oh, okay. Wow. <sighs> I feel like we didn't get through as many there. No, not really. Yeah. No. I had to really concentrate. I didn't want to stumble like I did last time. <sighs> we didn't want a repeat of 1917. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christian, the second to last one's going to be amazing. And then the final rally. <laughs> Zach's going to know exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll be fun. Okay. Um, who's next? I think, I think it's Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell, yes. do you want to give us a preview of what we're going to be talking about next time? Oh, The Mist. I knew that. Stephen King. Very sad. Special effects. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> um, Walking Dead actors are in it for some reason. Well, because it's um, Frank Darabont, and he made the first season of Walking Dead. Yes. And Ooh, it's basically The Walking Dead, but Stephen King is making The Walking Dead, and it's a mist instead of zombies. <laughs> Yay, more horror. <laughs> well, mm. well, we'll you talk about that. Se- have you seen the first season of The Walking Dead, Zach? Uh, a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. well, well, we'll discuss that, because I'm interested to hear your comparisons in that regard. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just, that, that wasn't an argument. Oh. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to argue with me all right well i guess next time we'll take as fact the fact that the mist is just the walking dead uh so if you're you're interested to see us uh strong arm each other next time when talking about (laughs) stephen king's the mist from 2007 uh directed by frank darabont Mm -hmm. tune in um this has been episode 30 of cookie pocket this podcast is about film we've talked about bram stoker's dracula a film i'd recommend even though you might kind of hate it uh See you around. See you Au revoir. Later. This episode was a three out of five, just like the movie, in that it was kind of good, but I didn't like it at all.